and welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Footy Game Day Squad Show. I'm your host, Cal, and joining me today, I've got Kerm and Tom as we look to do a spicy episode of our footy team review. Guys, how are you feeling? Not looking forward to this one, boys. Not looking forward to this one at all. Yeah, man, look, Kerm's in shambles right now. I've never seen him look so nervous before a show. You know, we do a couple of podcasts together, so I'm getting quite familiar with the type of guy and presenter he is and wow like i have not seen him like this he looks a bit rattled and i'm pretty excited to get into it because of it <laughs> yeah as you guys would have seen we had a month off through the COVID and different things we explained in our last video of the cats but we're back now we're going to be pumping out these videos as we prepare for the launch of game day squad which is of course is our fantasy sport platform launching on the 28th which is just a few days time so yeah nice and hot for you up there in um, Cairnscombe you're normally up there sweating but I think you're sweating for a different reason so yeah. what do you say let's get into your sons let's do it Alright, so when you start talking about your footy team, usually you're filled with excitement, happiness. You, you actually like talking about your footy team and unfortunately, 22 players who play for the Suns, who I don't know on a personal level, make me sad weekly. Um, but as you can see on your screen here, we did have 7 wins somehow. We did, however, lose 15 and in true Suns uh, fashion, finished 17th on the ladder. Um, it wasn't all doom and gloom. Um, took Miller in the guts when he got that full roll, spending 90% of his time. Absolutely took his game to another level. He had almost 31 touches a game, seven tackles. Really took the, the league by storm and many people's fantasy teams by storm as well. Um, and the likes of some young guys in Noah Anderson, Ben King, um, Connor Buderick when he was healthy, really took his game to another level. Um, so there were some... Highlights throughout the Suns season, but in true Suns fashion, again, there were plenty more negatives. Um, we lost out captain Jared Witts early on in the season, who went down with a season-ending injury, his knee. Um, hopefully he comes back in full health this year, but he was out for the year. Um, we embarrassingly lost Hugh Greenwood. We were trying to be too cute with our list. Uh, we dropped him as a, as a mature-age free agent and got swooped up with more money from North Melbourne. Um, what? It's just... Guys, can you help me out here? Like, I know it's... Could it I be know any more Suns like? I, I know that's probably your low light of the year. That's my highlight of the year for the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> it just does not get any more Suns like. To, to use, lose someone who was actively changing the culture of the club, him and Tuke Miller, because our culture has just been winless and gutless. Um, and you finally get these good players in with some good list management, to be fair, credit where credit's due, to get these players in. But to lose someone who plays his heart on his sleeve, who's courageous, plays hard at the footy, who was changing the culture of your club, and to lose them as embarrassingly as we did, there's just nothing more sons like than that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a shame, mate, but, you know... There are some positives, as you mentioned. And in terms of fantasy, this is a team you've got to look at. So yeah. that's what we're here for. We're a fantasy platform. So I'm keen for this breakdown. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect, Tom. Yeah, summed it up. Get on to the highlight of the year. Get on to what we do. We talk about the star of the year. And I think it's going to be pretty obvious who that's going to be. Yeah. There's only got to be one here. And um, my star of the year is Tuke Miller. Um, and at 25 years of age, Tuke Miller, I think if he stays with the Suns or if the Suns are even a team by the end of the year, um, he will go down as the greatest player to play in a Suns jersey. And we know we've had Gary Kabablet. Um, he won a Brownlow, brought some success to us. 
Um, but I think when to, when it's all said and done and Tuke Miller's 31-32 slowing down, I think he will be the best son to ever play for us and put a son's jersey on. Um, but Tuke is exactly what this club wants to model itself on. Like Hugh Greenwood, he plays with his heart on his sleeve. He's an absolute dominant ball winner. He's a great user. He's a winner. He wants to win. Um, and he actually enjoys playing for the Suns, which is another plus. So he is my star of the year. He's an absolute gun, by far and away the best player on this team. He could step in and play for any other team in the league. It's guaranteed. Um, so, yeah, he is my player. I love him. He's an absolute star. So, he, yeah, he's my star of the year. Yeah, and flicking over to my star of the year, I think it comes to no surprise that it is the exact same player. It's Tuke Miller. And I love that last comment you made. There is no team in the AFL right now that wouldn't take Tuke Miller into their lineup. They instantly get better having a player like him there. And he was just amazing last year. The highest average in fantasy points per game. What else do you want from a player? It's got to count for some sort of win, right, Kerm? We take all the wins we can get. And yeah. any little win. Absolutely any little win. Yeah, no surprise with me. My star of the year, Tuke Miller. Um, same reasons you said before, Comb. Don't need to go into it. Career high in kicks, handballs, goals, behinds, tackles. What else do we want from him? So, yeah, absolute star. I wanted to, though, because Tuke Miller really burst onto the scene in my eyes as a fantasy player. So, obviously, don't watch a lot of Suns, but why he was that's how I got drawn to him. But talk to me about someone who's actually watched him the whole way through, watched him develop. What do you really like about Tuke Miller, fantasy aside? Is there one sort of thing that you saw early in him and you went, that's why that guy's going to be great? He's the first player I saw in the Suns outside of probably Gary Ablett, who actually threw himself at the footy. And he actually played hard footy for the Suns. You see a lot of players. We, we got players like, um, he's a great user, but Brendan Ellis, who plays outside. We've got players now like Matthew Rao, when he's healthy, who can be a bull and attack the footy. So to have someone like Took Miller, who does it consistently, plays his heart on his sleeve, as, as I've said. He can get forward, use the ball, he can kick goals, impact the game. But when we play well and we win games, and you look at the stat sheet, Took Miller's got 35 touches. He's got 10 tackles. He's got eight marks. He's kicked two goals. So when we play good footy, it's usually off the back of Took Miller. So it's it's been hard because we we lose these players early on in the season like Jared Witts and Matty Rowe and stuff like that who you get so excited to watch. But to have that constant player there who can play consistently good footy, it's just different. Different landscape for Suns fans to have someone who's actually recognised as a really good player and who can consistently play good footy. So that was what took my eye for Took right from the start. I love that comment there as well. You know, we talk, we sort of diss on people's age a lot in this podcast and we sort of correlate that to, you know, their fantasy production dropping. But the one unnoted thing that goes with age is veteran experience. And when you have veterans on the field with all of these young guys leading them the way, that that can really change the dynamic of a club and a team and how they perform. So you're too right. Those huge blows at the start of the season are no favours for you in the long run. And he's been yeah, rewarded too. too. He's been named a captain with uh, Witsy as well. So the club recognise how good he is for us and he is really changing our culture. So it's good to see him being recognised by the club. Um, and he's been recognised league-wide now. I think people are starting to get clued on to how good he is. Um, it's hard not to when you're averaging 32 and going off weekly. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. too right. 
to right. We could talk about him all day if we wanted to, but we've got to keep moving. We've got to go to the the, the stuff you're trying to avoid. I know you just keep talking about Tuke Miller because you don't <laughs> want to get into it. Give us your flop or your disappointment of the year. It, it hurts to say because he was so exciting when he burst onto the scene, but the guy was hobbling again for half the year, and it's got to be Matty Rao. Um, but when he did play, when, when he just was not healthy. We could see that he came back probably a little bit too early. Um, and it was entirely possible he was just out there to get some running into his leg at the end, legs at the end of the season. But um, he only averaged 14 touches, four tackles and two marks a game. Um, to me, that's about half the production the Suns will be, be expecting from him um, going forward. I think he can be that 30-touch player, that six-tackle player a game, those four marks, two goals. We, could, we saw it. We saw how good he was in his rookie year. Um, so Matty Rao for me was below par for his own standards, I'm sure, um, but he was hobbling as well. Yeah, good points. And, you know, on to the next slide here. My disappointment of the year is Ben King. And so let me explain this. So This is interesting. He has an outstanding goals per game average last season, sitting at 2.14 per game, which actually puts him as best for the team over the entire season. He was the sixth overall pick in 2018 National Draft, but in my eyes, he hasn't lived up to his full potential yet, Maya mentioned. Uh, ben King is a prospect, 202 centimeters, 96 kilo frame. You look at him and you get the impression that he could be one of the best forwards in the league. He's an absolute mismatch of a guy. It's not If I was a defender, King is not a person I want to be marking all game, just looking at his frame and his athleticism as well. So for me, I feel like we haven't seen the best of Ben King yet, but he was very disappointing for me last year. And I just want to see him get more involved up the field. As we mentioned, he's good with the goals and he can take contested grabs, but a bit more ball work. And I think that'll really help his fantasy production as well. I reckon he's going to be a gun when he's playing for the Saints. What do you reckon, Kim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> the King twins in Santa land. Too soon. Um, they got him for one more year, mate. Come on. One more year. Well, <laughs> I'm the happiest year of my life. All right, I'll, I'll roll it to my disappointment. Um, I actually went many Rowell as well. Yeah. Uh, so don't want to go into it, but you've summed it up. This guy burst onto the scene. I was excited for it. Crazy. I think I've got some more stats I'll run through later in the show. But we're all NBA fans, and I don't know why, but I always just thought Zion Williamson with this guy comes yeah. in, number one, dominates, but just injury, and then second year injury, and you just go like, you know, you'd hate to sort of see it end up like a Joel Embiid where, or like, a, you know, Nat Fife for an AFL example, where that's the story of his career, where you go, hey, this guy is so talented, but just can never stay healthy. So, yeah, I'm hoping by the end of this season, I'm not thinking about those sort of comparisons. But, yeah, tough to put him there, but for the expectations of sitting there and actually watching Suns preseason games, just how excited I was for that guy, for him to have the year he had. Yeah, I had to give him the disappointment. So could have gone to a lot of more, more probably more deserving people, but I just yeah. wanted to call that out just because I'm so high on that guy. But yeah, what about this, Kerm? Report card. Do you want to start off what you gave the Suns for the year? Yeah, uh, D minus. <laughs> and I think that might be honestly a little bit lenient, to be fair. Um, it could honestly, the scary part is it could get worse. Will we keep our young talent? I mean, Isaac Rankin and Jack Lukosius, the South Australian clubs, are already knocking on the door. We've already mentioned Ben King, the Saners. They're going to want to pair him up with his brother. It, are we going to keep Stuart Dew? Will we get Alistair Clarkson? There's just so many questions around this club every single year, and we just never get it done. We never made, we've never made finals. I think our best 
finish is 10th off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, again, more misery. Um, I've never heard, I've never heard Alistair Clarkson to the Suns, but I love it. That was the first time I've ever sort of thought that in my head. That's perfect. He'd be perfect for you guys. Yeah. Don't, again, I, I think we tried to sack Chris, uh, Chris Scott in the last episode. I don't yes. think we're trying to get two coaches yeah. in two episodes. <laughs> but I would... I, Alistair Clarkson, I think, is the best coach in the league. Put him anywhere. But yeah, that would be a hell of a challenge. But yeah. What about yourself, Tom? Where would you go with your grade? I feel like with the seasonal gradings, I'm a bit kinder than you guys with these teams. I always seem to just have that little bit up. So I've given them a <laughs> D-plus for the year. And, you know... I've had to give them a D plus because I think about the draft capital and all of the picks they've had over the past couple of years and it's been really disappointing. Like They haven't been able to really work it out and I know it's hard to compare it to GWS but they came into the league at similar times and it just seems like they couldn't be further from the opposite from each other. Just the way that both of them have played out since joining the league, the success that both teams have or not too much success actually but you know what I mean making the playoffs getting to prelim finals JWS has been there the Suns just seem to have that one piece missing so I feel like D plus is quite fair you know there's plenty of young talent on the team still and plenty more to look forward to in the future but for last season unfortunately that's what I gave them I love how you're still in NFL mode and you've, you guys obviously if you haven't watched the these who are on the NFL podcast you're still calling it playoffs We've got to get <laughs> yeah. you into footy season. Exactly. We got, yeah. People, what, what, what's the playoffs? What's the playoffs? I'm oh, sorry. I'm no, like that, that's, that's true. into American from this NBA, NFL player. I'm sorry, guys. you got to bear with me. I'll be back soon. <laughs> I, I, I went um, with a D. So I went in between you guys, which averages out giving them a D for the year. So that puts them just above, you can see there, above, just below the uh, Carlton, but second worst grade for the year so far so yeah disappointing year a lot that can change but yeah hopefully some uh, some brighter skies in 2022 we can only hope <laughs> alright guys we're going to have a look now at the season coming up so of course the one we launch our platform for in just a week's time and the season that kicks off in just a few weeks time but before we start getting into some players and breaking down the players we're going to be targeting from the Suns, we always start by having a look at how we think the team's going to go for the year. Because we do know a team's success is correlated to some of their players and what positions you want to go after. So, Kerm, you're probably best to sort of judge how I've looked, viewed this. But you mm-hmm. can sort of see I've got the Suns slowly coming back up the mountain. So I shouldn't say coming back up. Slowly coming up the mountain, probably for the first time. Looked like potentially they were going to go there. You could see in 2020 had them building. Then somehow they were sliding back down it after not going very far last year and now going back up again. So I do still think it's going to be a tough year. I don't have faith in the Suns. I've got them at 14th. I could see this club finish bottom and really, like you said, sack the coach and do a full overhaul. But even at their best, I just don't see them being that sort of team that comes from nowhere to make the finals. And yeah, how do you feel about that? I, I I think we've also almost been a little bit lenient. And we didn't speak about it before, but we did lose Ben King for the season. Um, he's injured and gone. Um, so we're going to be relying on Sam Day, who was a walking hospital ward, to kick goals. Isaac Rankin, who hasn't performed. We signed Marby Ochoa, um from Richmond, who we're going to be leaning on a lot to pitch hit in the ruck and kick goals for us up forward. I can't see where the goals are going to be coming from this season without Ben King, who kicked 47 last year, which is one of our best goal-kicking seasons in our history. Um, 
I just can't see it. And there's just so many question marks around our midfield as well. We signed Charlie Constable um, from Geelong, who I'm super excited by, but there's just so many question marks around who's going to be playing in the guts with Took. Um, it should be Matty Rowell and Noah Anderson. Um, question marks around those guys themselves. Um, but when there's so many question marks around our club as a whole, it's just so hard to predict them going any better than 14th for me. I can see them finishing bottom three again um, as a pessimistic Suns fan. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you've, you're trying to figure out who the Suns starting lineup, but talk us through your team. So, how we break this up is you, who you got absolutely nailed on best 22 come round one who are players you've got knocking on the door they're thereabouts and then who are some sons you're completely avoiding so give us what you've got yeah so for me the only starter from the sons that i can lock into my squad and just keep him there forever is took miller again we've spoke about him before he's one of the league's premier midfielders and he plays on my team so he is definitely going to be in my starting 22 if i can get him knocking on my door i've actually got the three young mids I've mentioned, Charlie Constable, Noah Anderson, and Matty Rowell. And there's obviously a massive gap um, in the midfield now with, with Hugh Greenwood being out. He got a lot of centre bounce attendances um, last year. So there's there's opportunity to be taken by the young guys. David Swallow, who's been a warrior for us, he's starting to see a lot more forward time. He's not going to be in the midfield as much. Um, so when we bundle these guys up, I think someone's going to eventually come through, hopefully, um, and take that second mid-roll by the horns. Um, so they're knocking on my door, and I'm actually avoiding Brandon Ellis and Lockie Weller. And again, this is because there's so much cloudiness around the midfield right now. They're both wingers who can play inside and impact the scoreboard. Weller's kicked plenty of goals for us, and Ellis actually got forward and did something for us when he was healthy last year. But for me, there just is so much, so many question marks around our midfield right now. I want to be staying away from those older guys who will be likely spending less and less time in the guts. Do you want us to touch on what Lockie Weller got traded for for you guys? No, 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 no. Skip that one. He wants to avoid that at all costs, and I'm going to save him that hassle. I'm going to go straight into my list. I've got you you back. Um, Best, best twenty-two. It's for the same reasons we've been mentioning this whole time. It's Took Miller. And honestly, I need to do whatever it takes to get Took Miller in my best 22 for the next upcoming seasons. You guys know that a game day squad, we play a dynasty league and that your cards are transferable from season to season. Took Miller's not going to be a one-hit wonder. He's going to continue to dominate the AFL. And if you can pick him up in season one, wow, that's going to be huge for your fantasy team moving forward. After that, though, knocking on my door. Now, this is very ironic that I'm about to say this, but as you know, I'm Croatian and my surname is very difficult to pronounce, but I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this one. So, Jack, if you are for some reason listening, I'm sorry, mate, but I'm going to give it a a go. Sorry. It's Jack Lukosis. (laughs) Lukosis. Very close. Close. Lukosis. Lukosius, you know, he's at the young age of 21. Let me get into this guy. He's already playing his third season in the AFL. We've seen a steady increase in Jack's fantasy production since entering the league. And, you know, he has a back and he's rotating into the midfield. So he plays the back position, but he's rotating into the midfield. I can see a situation where he has a breakout year and he gets, you know, he jumps up 25 points on average from the year prior. And then he's looking like one of the best midfielders in the league alongside Tuke Miller. 
This is a guy I'm big on and I'm going to be watching him very closely because I want to get him before he breaks out rather than after and having to pay the premium. The player... can, I, can, I just, can I just say before, if yeah. Jack, you are still listening, um, I know you're, you're an Adelaide boy. We'd love to have you at Port. So oh, I know sake. that's going to make Kerm happy. But yeah, when you get a bit homesick, we will take you. Sorry, Man, go always, on. Tom. Always need to get that port plug in somewhere, don't you, brother? <laughs> You're a sucker for it. But anyway, let me get into my player I'm avoiding. Now, I'm just going to make it known, this could come back to bite me in a big way. I think so too. But I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns here and explain why I'm doing this. It's Braden Fiorini. And um, let me get into it. So I'm not including a player like this in my lineup because his games played since joining the AFL has not been good for such a young, promising player. And in the past two seasons, he's only played 33% of games. The thing is, though, when Fiorini does play, his value is not in question. This guy averages 109 game day squad fantasy points per game, which puts him at third best for the club. This is a huge call. I understand, but I don't want to... I want to be finding value elsewhere for my roster next season, and I don't want to be trusting in a player like Braden Fiorini. I hear your concerns for sure. I just think he's so good when he's on the park. And I think this season when we've lost so much in the guts and we're going to be relying on so many young players, I think he might be worth a punt if you can get him. Maybe not your starting 22. I'm not suggesting that. But if you pull him early and you can keep him on your bench, your extended squad, I think these, there might be a little bit of value in that and one to watch. Mate, I'm hearing you. And when I wrote this, out of all the podcasts we've done and all the ones I've prepared, this is the one that I think will come back to bite me. If any, if any of them do, this is the one right here. But okay. I'll stick with my guns for now. I don't want the games played. I'm very concerned. I'm not including him. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I'm keen to keen to follow that one in the future, see how that turns out. I'll get mine through mine quickly because Miller we don't need to talk about. Set, forget. He'll probably be my captain depending Absolutely. on the matchups. Lacocious, I think I've pronounced that properly. Mm-hmm. Come to Port, mate. I, I actually, I was telling you guys off air before, I actually really like this guy. The more I've sort of looked into him, particularly like I've heard of him before, but the more I started looking into for this, I was like, I really like him and I really want him to come to Port. Um, but 21, he's already played 60 games. He's going to be a, a, gar, a star, I think, Bit of a gamble, maybe, putting him in sort of your active squad. But like you were saying before, Tom, he is a defender. And we know that teams that you know are getting beaten quite heavily, the defenders get a lot of points. Just have a look at who are the top players and defenders this year. So you have a look at like the north pair of Hall and um, Zeeble. I can see that happening for Lukosius. He's going to get a lot of ball. Like you said, he's going to get a lot of centre-bounce uh, tendencies. And the Suns are going to concede a lot of goals. So Takes doubling up there. Too. So. Yeah, he really defense. reminds me of Lockie Whitfield when I watch him play. The exact sort of same player point. off the halfback flank, rotating into the midfield. Quite similar. And yeah, no surprises. My avoiding. I think I'm doing this for every team. I'm just cutting former stars, but swallow Ellison Wits. Yeah, yeah. Just a, just a big all avoid. Too old, too slow. Don't want him in my team. With Wits, it's a bit tough because you know he has had his injuries and. I do like him, but I'm not going to be picking him, and I don't think anyone should be trusting that ruck spot on him. So it's hard to come off of yeah. here, isn't it? Yeah, and particularly when they've just um, they've just got Mac Andrews, and they'd be looking to get him through. So yeah, yeah you just don't know what that looks like going forward. Alrighty, Kerm, I've got a question for you. Fire away. Tuke Miller. 
High scoring player last year. No reason why you shouldn't be the high scoring this year. But I wanted you to talk to our listeners about what that might mean for his value and why he might not potentially be the most sought after card in our game. Yeah, so when we're looking at a dynasty setting for fantasy, you're looking at players that are going to be playing in the league for upwards of 10 years. So players like your Andrew Brayshaws, who we've spoken about before, not that we wanted to speak about him. Um, and obviously, one of the podcast favourites, Sammy Walsh, who's 21, already a Brownlow favourite, one of the best players in the league. Um, so when you're looking at it, I'll throw the question back to you. Would you rather someone like a Rory Laird, who's 28, plays for the Crows, and a similar average, fantasy average, or would you rather someone who's 21, building into their seasons, building into their, their body still at 21 years old, but can average those 30-plus disposals and average you know 120-plus in game day squad average? Who would you rather have, that 28-year-old, who you're going to have for three seasons? Or are you going to want that that 21-year-old like Sam Walsh who's going to be a league winner for the next 10 years? Answer that question for me. Yeah, no brainer, be right? Walsh, you'd, be, right? you'd be going to Sammy Walsh, yeah. Yeah, so when you, get, got... when you get a player like Sam Walsh, whether it be a legend or a platinum or a diamond, that's going to hold more value than someone like Rory Laird who has a similar fantasy average, game day squad average, because of that age and that longevity that you're going to have. So you can do a lot with someone like a Sammy Walsh or an Andrew Brayshaw, Bailey Smith, these players who have proven themselves as ball winners and fantasy players who can, who can win you games on their own um, compared to someone like uh, Paddy Dangerfield, who we spoke about in the Geelong podcast, or someone like a Paddy Cripps, who's still young, but he's not the best player for Carlton. And when that player is 21 years old like Sam, Sam Walsh, he's going to be that that higher value going forward. Yeah, right. So it, you know, so it kind is... of comes down to personal preference about, you know, if you're building for the future or if you want to win now. Because if you win now, you'd be paying for Tuke Miller. But I guess if you want to be Correct. dominant for years ahead. But I guess ideal scenario is you have them both in your team. Exactly. So go get them. Go get them. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Well, they will be available for everyone to go get on Monday. So the 28th, we're recording this on the 23rd. So as of the 28th, we will be good to go. But let's get in some of those future stars because that's what we do at this part. We look ahead and we go, right, who is the nailed on future star that we think is going to be that player at the club for the next sort of 10 years that you could bring in now? Maybe pay a little bit more than if you're going to pay for like a Tuke Miller, but it's definitely going to be worth it in the long run. So who have you got, Kerm, being the Gold Coast son that you are? I tossed up between Matty Rowell and Noah Anderson, and ultimately I landed on Noah Anderson because you do have that consistency. We've seen him play 17 games in the COVID season. He only played 11 games last year, um, but 37 games at 21 years old. He averaged 23 disposals last year, getting more and more midfield time as the season went on. Um, And we've heard Stewie Jew come out and say that Noah Anderson is going to be one of those ball winners in the midfield um, going into this season. So he is really exciting to me. Um, He gets tackles, averaged three last year. He gets marks, averaged five last year. Um, For me, I think he's going to be one of the best players in our team come the end of the season. And I'm so excited to see what he does. Love that. Love that. What about yourself, Tom? Who'd you go? I went with the guy that we've been sort of harping on about a bit, Jack Lukosius. As you, hey, as you he's got said. it. You've pronounced it. Hey, <laughs> got it. There we go, Jack. I got your back, mate, as well, like Kerms before. But <laughs> he's in his third season, you know, and some people come into the AFL at 22, 25, around that sort of age, 
and are recruits. They're rookies. They've only just entered. This guy is already getting such a great understanding of the game. And as I said, I think his potential is huge. I see his, his ceiling being really high and his floor being really high as well. This is a player that I want. This is a player that you need to get and hold on to for quite a while. Good pick. You know how I feel about him, and I hope that he comes our way. I'll say it again, just because I know. I talk it into existence, because chances are it will happen. Guys, I went Matty Rao. I think no-brainer. So I did give him the flop, but you guys know how much I love him. He's a future captain, and just the sort of bloke that I think everyone would want to play under. And I think the emergence of Took maybe has taken the pressure off him a little bit. And I hope because when he burst onto the scene, like he had this stat, right? Top 10 all-time vote-getter after some ridiculous amount of games. It was like, you know, he was miles ahead because he had three best on grounds in his first four games. He got nine votes. Like just crazy sort of stuff. And most of the times when I put someone in a flop, they end up in my avoid category. But this guy couldn't be further from it. He's... Had a disappointing year, but it's been from injuries. But, uh, yeah, I really hope he gets a run at it. And I, I, I would bank on him being a player that does get Suns to their first, uh, first sort of finals run and potentially even that first sort of premiership run. So, yeah, keen to see it. Let's move on to some of the upside potential players. Now, these, of course, aren't your sort of surefire things that we think that those last guys were, but potentially some sort of high-variance players, high-risk, high-reward. I'll start. I'm on the top there. I've gone with Mac Andrews. Fifth in the recent draft. He's a forward. He's a ruck. Like I said, there's that uncertainty at the moment around that sort of mid-spot. I do think it's going to be an interesting one because he is a bit more of a project, but he has shown the ability in his juniors to be able to get 20 touches around the ground and sort of be that sort of dynamic mover and still obviously dominate in the ruck as well. So they have brought in Chole from Richmond, which probably will mean that he won't get thrown into it, which again, same with Matty Rowell. I think not throwing these young players into it, probably the best thing. But I do really like him, and I'm really keen to see how he turns out because he could be a really, really good player from what I've seen. Yeah, he's a unicorn. He can play anywhere. Um, Looking at his draft stock and where he played last year um, and through his juniors, he can play anywhere, and I'm really excited to see how Dewey uses him. Can I just quickly say, I believe you guys got Darren Burgess. Is that correct? No, sorry. He worked with Darren Burgess. Uh, last oh. season. Yeah, yeah. So he, he did a whole season with him. And I, th- I I think Darren Burgess is one of the most important people in the whole AFL system for a team success. Yeah. So yeah, getting him, working with him, I think, yeah, for someone who needs to get their body right for their athleticism, I think, yeah. great, great win. Cool. All right. Who on to? Tom. My, yeah, my high, high upside player for next season is going to go to Jai Farah. He debuted in the last round of 2020. He got 10 games under his belt in 2021. His best game of last season came in round five, which is actually his first game of the year, which saw him crack into the 90s for GDS fantasy score for that game. But unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to replicate this again for the rest of the season. With some more consistent playing time and heading into his second full season, Farah is a player that I'm going to be watching develop as the year goes on. And, you know, we also mentioned team success and the correlation that that has with fantasy production but on the flip side if your team isn't so great defenders are normally quite better and where does he sit in this team he's a defender so i think he has some great upside in this next upcoming season and i'm excited to see what he can do yeah that run off the back whether it's farah or whether it's um oleg markov or whether it's Lockie weller if he's playing back there it's so important to us and it's something that the Suns have sort of always had because we've had jared hardbrow for so long um, but that Jai Farah-esque player who can run off the back like a Markov or an Ellis is so important. 
Um, but for me, I've gone a bit, little bit of a smoky here, and it might be because of my, like, cans glasses that I have on that is blinding me from everything. But Alex Davies, <laughs> um, Alex Davies cans product, um, really proud of him. I actually coached him um, way back in the really? day. Yeah, just a little nice little tip of the just I've, quietly, I've just, copped a lot yeah, today. Yeah. You've got to give me that. Um, but no, he made his debut in uh, round 23 against the Swans. Uh, where we got pumped, but he had 16 disposals and played really well. Six tackles, I think, to go with it. Um, Big-bodied midfielder, tall midfielder. Um, we've spoken about how we've got opportunity in the midfield now to see who's going to step up and take that. I think Alex Davies has a shot, along with the younger guys, Matt Rao, Noah Anderson, Constable, that we've spoken about. Um, but he's an academy product, really exciting when he has the ball and when he can get on the field. Too right, too right. And sorry, I had to run there. Got the warning. Oof. Laptop about to die, so <laughs> I, had to, I had to run. <laughs> yeah, that's pre-season but, now. Pre-season, that, count, that counts as my <laughs> run tonight. We will finish up by looking at the three- to five-year dynasty sort of potential of this team. And I think, it's for me, Kermit was a really interesting one to look into. So I've got a list thing, a couple of lists here. Things I love. So I love they've got some star players, mm-hmm. some huge upside players. Gold Coast is a really nice place for people to go play. I don't know if you guys saw the documentary. Some of their facilities are amazing. Yeah. The lifestyle of some of the players, really, really cool. And of course, they've got cap room to bring in people. Things I don't love is this losing culture they've got around them. It's very Fremantle, very Clippers in the NBA, very Spurs in the EPL. And once that, that culture starts, it's very hard to turn around. Yes. Now, I'm kind of looking at this, and I've put them in Tier 3, but I was kind of like half in Tier 2 and half in Tier 4. I don't think there's a middle ground for the Suns. I think they either get it right, or they're getting it wrong. And yeah, I'm keen to see. I've put them in number 3 by default, but I wish I could do half and half. Yeah, for me, this might not even be a question come next year. We we might be in Tasmania. I'm not I'm legit not even joking. Um, <laughs> which is sad. I don't want to follow a Tasmanian team. We can speak about that next year. Who's, who's Liam going to... Who's Kerm going to follow? Um, <laughs> but no, this... This next preseason is absolutely crucial for this club. If we lose Ben King, Isaac Rankin, and Jack Lukosius, this club's toast. I, I can't see us um, recovering from losing someone like Ben King unless we go and get a veteran who can kick 50 goals um, up on the coast. Um, but when we have those players like that who have established themselves as players who can turn this club around and really give the keys to... I, I, Who's going to stay? If, if we lose Ben King, Jack Lukosius, two of our brightest prospects, who's going to stay? You know what I mean? Um, so this off-season is so crucial for, for us. We do need to lock those players in. Um, if we can get through that with those three players and a club still standing, then we can talk about Tier 3. Um, but for me, I think as much as it hurts, I, I just can't see us leaving Tier 4 anytime soon. In term, I'm going to agree with you there, mate, unfortunately. Um, again, even if they get everything right this season, I still think their ceiling is tier, tier 3, and that'll be the case for the next couple of years. I can't see them making this jump from 17th to 1st, you know, in a two-year, a, a three-year gap. It's going to take some huge signings or some huge draft picks in order to do that and really flip that culture around, but... I'm going to put them at tier four for now, but if you know if they can get it right, I could see them climbing out of it in the next year or two and then heading into that tier three range. Yeah, that's the thing. With it. They've done nothing to prove to us that we can trust that they're going to make that leap. Um, 
as sad as it's been since since the beginning. Um, I was just yeah. gonna say we, myself and Tom are on the NBA Game Day Squad podcast, and we had to hear <laughs> fellow co-host Matty Keith talk about the Knicks and how sad he was about their history. And that was this morning, and this is tonight. And I, oh, it's yeah. been a sad. That's it's been a day. sad couple of days here. Like, yeah, it makes me grateful for my for my love of Port and the Oklahoma City Thunder. That you know things might be tough, but they could be a lot worse. And yeah, as evident by by this podcast here today. So, <laughs> I'm glad Tom, I can be I bl- a, a form of entertainment for the listeners and you guys today. Yeah, no, of course, of course, Tom. I believe you've got a few things you want our listeners to do. That is exactly right, guys. As Callum said, our game is launching on the 28th. We've got the AFL fantasy season rapidly approaching. We've got so much good content coming out, helping you with players that you want to look for, players to avoid. So if you can please leave a like on the video, subscribe, and push those post notifications on so you get a notification when the next video rolls out, which is going to be very soon. All of our socials are in the description down there. Check us out. We've got our website insta leave a comment if you guys like and remember to ask yourself are you getting game day ready